with us last week, uh, we began a new series of sermons called Engage, in which we're, we want to encourage one another to become intentional about engaging with the needs and the interests of the people that we live with, that we work with, that we, uh, that we study with, the people with whom we play. just want to take a moment this morning, and I want to review some of the things that we saw last week for those of you who were not here last week. I centered my comments interestingly, around the Sixth Commandment, which says, uh, you shall not commit murder. Now, um, fair to say that that's probably a surprise to most people that we would kick off a series about engaging your neighbor uh, with the commandment to not murder, because that kind of seems self-evident, that if we want to influence a community for Christ, probably the minimum requirement would be that we not murder them. Would you agree with that? The reason I started there, though, is that uh, I think it was important for us to establish the, the why behind the commandment uh, to not murder. And the why was really two things. First, that God is the, the author of life and death. Only He has the right to choose when a person dies. But then second, man is made in the image of God. And because man is made in the image of God, life is sacred. Life is precious. In other words, because God created human beings, every human life is sacred. It's of infinite value. It's precious. Now, once we established that, we looked into the New Testament, and we saw that Jesus, in His comments uh, on the Sixth Commandment, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus elaborated on the spirit behind that commandment. And He said that there's at least three ways that you can murder another person. Well, one is obviously with your hand. The other is with your tongue. And the things that you say about another person that communicate contempt. But then the third, interestingly, was neglect. Neglect. When you neglect to care about another person, about their needs, their interests, when you neglect to see the infinite value of a person's life, Jesus says that you have violated the spirit of the sixth commandment. And we're going to see throughout this series as we move further that Jesus says that we are accountable for the life of our fellow man. He told us over and over again that we are to, to love our neighbors, to serve uh, people. Because the Christian view is that there is no such thing as an unimportant person. And again, he takes this so seriously that he makes the point that the spirit of the sixth commandment is violated when we neglect another person who is made in the image of God. Now, after we had seen all of that, after we talked about that, We began to talk about how American culture has changed. We said that there used to be a time here in America when people would go uh, to evangelistic crusades, and they would sometimes go to churches to hear the gospel. And often people would hear the gospel, maybe even for the first time, and right there in that moment, they would believe in Jesus Christ. But those days are over. Uh, Those days don't exist anymore. The days of what is known as attractional ministry, where you hold an event and people that don't know Christ come to the event so that they can hear the gospel. Those days are over. And the reason is, we said, that we largely remain these days in our own echo chambers. We isolate ourselves from exposure to ideas uh, that we don't agree with. We use our worldviews, we use our uh, ideologies, even our political perspectives. We use these things as litmus tests to determine who we're going to follow on social media, who we're going to listen to, uh, who we're going to unfollow. 
who we're going to exclude. And the reality is that many people today have come to the conclusion not just that Christianity is wrong, but many people today, and I hope you understand this, have come to the conclusion that Christianity is evil. And so unlike the former days in America, people today aren't going to read about Christianity. They're not going to research Christianity. They're not going to show up at a crusade or a church with an open mind to learn about it as people once might have in former days in American history. Today, the only way that City Church is going to move our vision forward is when people who are Christ followers engage their neighbors personally. Because it's when people are forced to see Christianity not just as an ideology, but when they see it multidimensionally, in person, acted out, lived out in the form of servanthood to other people. It's only then that people are ever going to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I concluded by saying last week, don't wait for the staff of City Church to put some program on to do our vision. Don't ask me. Don't ask anybody else. What are we doing to accomplish our vision? Because the answer is going to be, we're only doing as much as you are doing to accomplish our vision. Well, I want to just take a moment and I want to read our vision statement together again. The vision of City Church is to bring spiritual, social, and cultural renewal to the city of Evansville and beyond through a movement of people who are being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, today is sort of a continuation on last week's talk. I'm very excited about what we're going to show you this morning. Through the work of a local organization that many of you are familiar with called Community One, Uh, They've come up with a way that we're going to be able to measure how well we are doing as a church at engaging our neighbors. And to tell you about that, I want to introduce you this morning. Actually, it's a reintroduction for some of you, but for some of you, it's an introduction to the man who is the founder and the executive director of Community One. His name is Eric Cummings. Would you please welcome Eric Cummings uh, to the stage? Thank you, Jeff. Good morning. Thank you. Eric, welcome. It's good to have you back. Um, Many of you don't know that we interviewed Eric on the opening day of uh, City Church. Now, uh, six years years later, uh, you're back. Let's not not wait six years to do this again. I agree. uh, That was a fantastic day over at the Events Plaza when you guys launched City Church. It was a joy to be there. And I tell you, it has been just wonderful to watch this church grow to get rooted, to establish its vision, to encourage its people. The energy is beautiful here, and I feel like we've already had a sermon again this morning. I appreciate your review of last week, so amen to that. You bet. So glad to have you. And, And Eric, as you heard me say a moment ago, we're in this series about engaging your neighbor, which I know is your heartbeat. And one of the ways that people often think about this idea of engaging your neighbor is um, they they think about it in the terms of local missions as opposed to, say, global or international missions. Can you frame our thinking just a little bit about local missions? Yeah, this is a very simple exercise. I learned it from Austin Maxheimer, our neighborhood revitalization director, and I just want to take you on a quick journey, just a few moments. How many people in here have been on a global mission trip outside of the United States or to some other place? So, okay, great. So, we've got a good crowd here who have been serving all over the place. So, now I want you to imagine now for a moment that Jesus Christ appears bodily in front of you in a quiet moment. 
and you sense the glory in his presence, and he's looking at you, and he says to you, surprisingly, I have chosen you to be my missionary to Africa, to the Middle East, to some other far-flung place in the world. And he's saying it. And you have one year to prepare for that, for that trip, and you will remain there for the rest of your life as my missionary. So what do you do during that year? Well, you probably start studying the culture and the language and trying to understand people, their history, their food, all of these things about people that you're going to be reaching, inserting yourself in their cultural reality. And a year passes, and now you're there, feet on the ground in this culture. What do you do for the first year? You meet people. You talk to people. You become part of the social fabric of a community. You learn language. You listen well. You just insert yourself into the lives of people who are different than you. So if you have not been called to Africa or to the Middle East or some far-fung place, you have been called to Evansville, Indiana. And that is the context for the work that we do as God's church in this city. This is where God has placed you in this moment and dwell the Holy Spirit in you which you can just, uh, that, that you can, through his work, bring to overflowing to reach out into this community at this time to bring the gospel of hope to people. So let's not think of global missions as one thing and local missions as another. We are all on mission where God has placed us to reach uh, our communities. That's a great point. I alluded to the fact earlier that Jesus said uh, in, that the great command, in the great commandment that uh, we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our soul, uh, and then that we're to love our neighbors ourselves. And I think that the part that, while it may not come naturally to any of us, the part that maybe we're the most sort of comfortable with is the idea of loving God, because we can do that sort of privately. We can do that uh, just in, without taking any relational risks. But can you help us think about loving our neighbors as ourselves? Yeah, you said that very well. No relational risk. And uh, I do want to say this. I'll make a bold statement. Now, Jeff and I have not rehearsed this. So if I kind of like blow it here, you're going to have to, you're gonna have to clean this up. We'll kick you off the stage if that happens. Friends, we are not going to transform our community from these pews. No, we're not. We transform ourselves here. We gather in Christian community. We learn scripture. We support one another. We pray. We do those things that energize us and prepare us for the world that God has, has sent us to. So if we want to change our culture, if we want to renew a city, we have to be in the city. And that, guess what, is messy and it's hard and it's risky to do that. But that is the adventure that God has called us to. So what you do here needs to move from here to there, to those places, and to affect the lives of other people. Now, if you go to the Great Commandment, you mentioned that, and that's uh, the Luke 10 story, where Jesus is approached by a lawyer or expert in the laws that's said in there, and, and he says to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I've always been struck by there's this kind of eternity tag on this thing. And, uh, and Jesus says, well, you know the law. What do you think it says? And he says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you're right. You read it right. Do that, and you will live. Well, this guy wanted to justify himself. He wanted to fit his life into looking like that. So he asked Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? Now, we should ask the same question, but we should do it with sincere hearts, not with the heart of trying to justify ourselves. We ask that question sincerely. Jesus, who is our neighbor. 
And so to answer the question, he does what he always does. He doesn't answer the question directly. He tells a story. Do you remember what story he tells? The parable of the Good Samaritan. I would love for you to jump back into that Luke 10 story and read that through the lenses of this is Jesus' definitive teaching on how to love our neighbors. And it's quite a story. And uh, it, uh, it uh, has a cast of characters and robbers and Samaritans and this guy traveling on a donkey in a hotel. And it's got all this stuff going on. So how do we translate that into today, into our, our non-donkey kind of lives that we, we all have today? Well, what we might do, and we found some clarity in this, we started to think about loving neighbors in two simple ways. First is we love our neighbor where we are. That's where you live, where you work, where you study, where you play, where you live your life, where you recreate in your friendships. Love your neighbor. Love those people. But also love your neighbors where you're called. And we are called all throughout Scripture and history to minister to the most marginalized people of our community. And just because we don't encounter them where we are doesn't mean we're off the hook for loving them. We need to go to where those people are. We need to understand the culture and the work of the, the lives of those people so that we can then step in to those, the lives of those people the way we would somebody in a foreign land with humility, armed with the gospel of grace and with a servant's heart. So love your neighbor where you are and love your neighbor where you're called. These are two important ways to think of this calling from the great commandment. Uh, and I think it helps to bring some clarity to that kind of confusing story. Interestingly, we are going to be doing that uh, exact story in the, the next few weeks uh, on the Good Samaritan. So, In practical terms, though, how do we love our neighbors? I think that that is probably a question that many people have. Okay, I buy into the idea, but how do I do that? What, what counts as an act of love to someone who is my neighbor? I guess that's, I know we love to measure things. I mean, we're Americans, we want to kind of quantify things, measure things, and kind of understand things. I think you have permission to be a little loose, a little sloppy, and a little messy when it comes to how you love people. But I might say it simply in this way. Whatever you do as a result of being a transformed Jesus person, whatever you do that you wouldn't normally do if you weren't a Jesus follower, whatever those things are, whatever opportunities God gives you to intersect in the lives of people or to serve or to love, what relationship would you have or not have if you were not a Jesus follower? Those relationships, those things that you do for others out of your heart for Christ, that's loving your neighbor. And I think it could be many, many different things. So let me give some examples. Uh, if I mow my neighbor's yard, would that be an example? Do you think it would? Yes, I do. I do too. <laughs> I think it would. If you said, if you recognize that your neighbor's yard needs to be mowed, and hopefully you're in some kind of relationship with them because they're your neighbor, yeah. you can offer to help people. And I believe that's an act of love. Yeah, if I mow it because I'm irritated at how high their grass is, that's not a, an act of love? Well, it, I, I don't know if it completely. You have to look inside. I think the mowing is an there act of go. love where the heart it comes from. I don't know. Yeah, right. So if I, if I mow it because I know they're out of town or, or they've been sick or something, that would be an act of love. What about if I, uh, what if I bake a cake for my neighbor. Actually, that's not a good example because if I bake a cake, it's not an act of love. But if my wife did, that would, might be an act of love. Would that count? Yeah, sure. Love your neighbor where you are. Who are the people that live around you? Who are the people at your workplace? I mean, how do you love somebody at work? Think about that. I mean, this isn't a dimension of trying to add one more thing into a busy schedule. If you think of the wheel of things we do in our life and all the spokes of stuff we have to do, this isn't a spoke. This is the hub. This is where our heart of Christ flows from and into all of the different aspects of our life. How do you love a fellow student? 
How do you love, you know, a neighbor? How do you do that? Think about that. How would you want to be treated by other people? And I would simply say this, loving your neighbor as yourself is really this. If you had the resources that you have and you were in their shoes, what would you do for yourself? If, if, you have the, if, if, if you were in their shoes and you have the resources that you have, what would you do for yourself? That's loving your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, I think about it. If I, if I work at a company, uh, if I'm an employee in a company, it may just mean simply listening to someone who I know is a coworker who's, who's hurting. Maybe take them out to lunch. They're going through something difficult. If I'm a manager in a company, if I own a company, it might be thinking about what could I do to help marginalized people in the city of Evansville? Do I have jobs that I could that, that I could hire those kinds of people for? Are there other things that I could do to, hire, uh, to help marginalize people as, as, uh, as a company? Absolutely. It's leveraging every aspect of your life into acts of love for the people around you. I mean, statistically, Barna did a focus survey in Evansville, Indiana, in our surrounding region. Statistically, almost 8 out of 10 people in Evansville claim to be Christians, almost 80%. Mm-hmm. But does it feel like 80% of people in our community are living like Christians? No. I mean... If we were, we probably wouldn't have a foster care crisis. We wouldn't have a housing crisis. We wouldn't have a job and poverty crisis. We wouldn't have the things going on in our community that we do. But if more of us just start by simply stepping away from ourselves and focusing our energies and our focus on other people with simple acts of love, that will turn into what we call a movement of people who are being transformed and transforming others. Eric, you guys uh, at Community One have done something just absolutely genius in in my mind. You've come up with a way um, to measure the effectiveness of the church community in Evansville at engaging our neighbors. And I I just I want to applaud you for what you guys have done. I want to applaud you for the creativity of what you've done. I want to applaud you for the, the, the leadership that you've shown and the initiative that you've taken to come up with this. I think it's fantastic. I hope that you guys will go national with this because I think it'd be, it would be something that would help the church nationally. It's in the form of a website, and the people of City Church um, are going to start using this uh, to track the ways that we have engaged our neighbors. I'm going to ask you guys, if you would, we're going we're gonna to show a video of this website in just a moment. I'm going to ask you to pay very close attention to it because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it in just a few minutes about how we as a church are going to use this uh, particular website. But Eric, I wondered if you would just take a moment uh, this morning and if you would just kind of walk us through this website. And I should tell you in advance, I want to tell everybody in advance, that this is, uh, the video is like three minutes long. It probably doesn't take three minutes to do all of this, but we've made it slow so that everybody can, can, everybody can follow along because not all of us are as techni- technologically advanced and savvy as others. So we've kind of made it slow. So if you would... Kind of walk us through this website, and we're going to... Can I give some backstory first, just briefly? You may give some backstory first, briefly, yes. Um, So this is a very, very simple tool on counting acts of love. And the history of this simply is I was on uh, staff at a local church as an outreach pastor for years here in the community, and uh, I was... It's just, you know, we count things at church, but what are the two things we count the most at church? Mm -hmm. Offering and attendance, right? We count those things. And I know why we count those things. Your pastors are accountable to you, and they want some metric, some gauge of the success of what's going on with the church. Are we growing? Are we discipled? Are we giving? Are we following these things that Christ has called us to do? But Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So shouldn't we also be counting Absolutely. acts of love? Yes, we should be counting acts of love, and we should talk about it. 
And we should share it with one another and how we're doing. And we should rally around this idea of loving other people and counting it. So we kind of took that to heart and said, there's got to be a way that we can help churches count acts of love so they can talk about what they're doing. They can share it with one another. They can build a movement of love in their community. And your pastors, your poor pastors, have a way to be able to gauge whether or not we are getting it as God's people and out there loving our neighbors. So that was the idea behind creating the Acts of Love Counting app. Great. That's the, the backstory. Now, this is a web-based app. It's not an app store on Android or, or uh, on iOS. It's simply a web address that you go to on a, a mobile phone or a computer or an iPad, and you just input some information. You log into your church. You tell us what you did, and then every week we send a report to your pastor that says, here's all the Acts of Love done by the people of your church in the past seven days. And the information they get is what you did and what day you did it. And that's it. We don't collect personal information. There's nothing that's collected from you. It's just what you did and what day you did it. And then they can talk and share and celebrate and, and start to build momentum around these ideas of acts of love. Yeah, that's, I think it's really important to reemphasize that, that it's anonymous. <laughs> so we're not going to get uh, your name. Uh, we're not going to know who did anything or who didn't do anything. We want you to just make sure that you're aware and of that. And we don't have it either. Yeah. We don't have that information right. either. But uh, let's go ahead and put that video up here on the, on the screen. And um, if you could walk us through this now, uh, Eric. Sure. Pull out, pull out your phone. Let's do this together. And pull out your phone. Basically, this is what it looks like on a computer screen, but it will operate on your mobile device as well. You can see here they're launching the browser. And then they're typing the website address into the browser. And the website address is L-Y-N-E-V-V. Dot O-R-G, and that stands for Love Your Neighbor Evansville, L-Y-N-E-V-V dot O-R-G. Hang on. Can, I, can you guys repeat that uh, out loud together? L-Y-N-E-V-V dot org. Good job. And then you'll see the actual app will open on your device or on your computer, and it's very simple. The first thing you want to do is you want to select your church. We're, you are the third church to officially launch this in Evansville. And so if you click the Select Your Church button, it will show a drop-down of churches that are available uh, who are using it or have, uh, have intended to use it. And you can see City Church, and you'll just want to select City Church from the list, and it will populate that little screen with City Church. And the next thing you're going to do is type in your password. And your password is City Church EVV, all lowercase, all one word, City Church EVV, all lowercase, all one word, which just happens to be the middle part of your website address between www.citychurchevv.com. So use that middle piece and type it in and then hit the login button, a little heart in the middle, and that so will wait, log you wait in. Wait just a moment. Can we repeat the password together? City Church EVV. Great. Fantastic. Then punch the login button and you'll be logged in. And you'll see a couple things, just three things to pull your attention to. The first is you'll know you're in your church because you'll see City Church at the top. Then you see a field there that says, what did you do? What did you do? You're just going to type in what you did, like the example that says, I mowed my neighbor's yard. And see what's being typed in right now. I mowed my neighbor's yard. So whatever it is, and what, whatever you type into here is what the pastors are going to see when they get the report. So I mowed my neighbor's yard. And if you want to put more detail, that's fine. There's unlimited space. If you want to just be brief about it, it's okay. And then hit the submit button, hit the heart. And that actually submits or registers this act of love. And a couple different things will happen. I, you can't really see it here. But along the bottom, there's these acts of love counters. 
and there'll be one there for your church and one there for the entire community. So you'll be able to watch City Church's numbers go up as you perform acts of love and register them in our community. And then you'll be able to see we're at 568 right now for the, for the community as well. And that's the other churches that are out there doing that. So basically every time that God inspires you to love a neighbor, just share what you did. It's right there on your phone. And uh, just log in, share it, hit the submit button, and then you come back next Sunday and you guys are going to talk about and celebrate what's happening in the community because the people of City Church are bringing cultural renewal, are living out their faith as a movement in our city. Eric, they showed people how to, uh, how to make a bookmark uh, for that website in case people didn't know. But there's also something that you can do on your phone if you have an iPhone. And um, I just learned about that this week. Austin Maxheimer was showing it to me this week. But would you mind to kind of walk people through how to do that? What we just did this morning? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah so yeah, there's yeah. a couple different things. You have this little piece that you were handed oh, when right. you walked yeah. in today. Um, if you have a QR reader or if you just have an iPhone, you can just scan that with your camera or with your QR reader and we'll open you up to this page. And your password and login and all the information is right on there. So stick that on your fridge so if you forget the password, you've got that to use. Um, the other thing that you can do is, and you can do this on both iPhones and on Android products. I have an iPhone, so I don't know how to do it on Android, and there's a lot of different ways. But you can create a shortcut to your desktop with apps. You guys familiar with that, creating a shortcut? And in iOS, basically, you just go to this website. There's a little square that you hit, and it says create, add to home screen, and it pops up on your home screen with a little heart, and it just says L-Y-N-E-V-V right okay, there. Okay, so let me, let me just kind of walk them through this, because I, I, as I said, I just learned it this week, and I'm so excited to teach anybody anything technologically, because <laughs> I don't ever get to do that around here. Top right, I think, should have a little square with an arrow in it. Actually, actually it's at the bottom. Bottom. But, uh, but if you go to L-Y-N-E-V-V.org, what's that? What is L-Y-N-E-V-V.org? That's the website. Okay, so you go to lynevv.org, and down at the very bottom, if you pull the screen up just a little bit, there's a little uh, square box with an arrow that looks like it's trying to get out of the box. That's how I say it to myself, so I remember what it is. All right, if you press that little arrow that's trying to get out of the box, it brings up another screen. It says airdrop, and it's got, it's got a number of little different things. If you, if you, if you look at uh, the very bottom of it, it says... You've got to scroll over a little bit, too. Yeah, you've got to scroll over a little bit. It says... Add to home screen. There's a little plus button that says add to home screen. Hit that, and guess what? It looks like you have an app on your phone for Love Your Neighbor. And then you just hit that anytime you want to go in there and record something that you've done. That's it. And I will say this. One thing we discovered, this is, this is version one. So this is the first one of these we've tried. And we're learning as we launch this and use it. And I know you guys have a big goal, a big vision to use this to create movement. But we will be coming back with you to talk a little bit more about your experiences, what worked, what could be improved, that type of stuff, to help us to do better at this. So maybe there's a wider use of this uh, regionally and, and nationally as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, just jump in there and use it. Now, one thing I do know that if you have cookies, like, completely turned off on your phone, you may not be able to log in. So if you're having problems logging in, check and see if cookies, because that's how it knows that you were logged in, in before. That's the one technical piece of it. I don't know what I just said. That's the one technical piece of it that I know. If yeah. cookies are turned off, which cookies should never be turned off, right? We should always have cookies. Um, then you may have a problem logging in. But that's the only technical glitch I've experienced to date with it. Eric, I think this is genius, what you guys have done. I really do. I think it's fantastic. And I, I, I do hope that you guys will think about 
Uh, and I realize there are all sorts of resource issues and things, but I hope you guys will think about launching this nationally because I think it would be a fantastic way for the church in America to track the impact that we're having as a church. So thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to talk just a little bit more uh, in a moment about how we're going to use this. But would you please uh, show your appreciation one more time to Eric Cummings. Eric, thank, thank you. you so much.